two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Kid, I don't want you to cry, but we've come to the end of 2020. What? I know. No. I know. Like, what a great year this was, right? I mean, do we recap with the Australian wildfires or the pandemic? I'm thinking murder hornets. Or the protests. Oh, yes. The impeachment. Mm. The civil unrest everywhere. Mm. Um, I don't know where to start. Start. I don't know where to end. It was <laughs> the lack of toilet paper. Let's just oh, let's yeah. just let's just crystallize it into a single Tiger moment. King. Going to the store and finding no toilet paper, an event that I hope to never replicate in any other part of my life. However, on the flip side, we have done things that are that we probably should have done before, like you know, wash our hands more. Yes. Use hand sanitizer. Talk about these issues that have been simmering under the skin of society for many, many years, and no one wanted to bring up before. And for yes. people who work and have to travel a lot, you don't always have to go to clients. Like you can do Zoom calls, and it's just as efficient. It's true, and yet um, we did attempt to do a virtual uh, recording with one another from our closets and found yeah. there were problems and that we would prefer to do it in person. So I mean, it's not it's not an all-encompassing thing. It's At least this way we can have like the natural interaction between each other. That's true. There's no delays. No. You know? No, there's no I, weird... I want to see the disappointment on your face oh. when I make... That's the face so, I love right there. So sweet. <laughs> this is... I don't know if this is more... Disa- this is disappointment. Disappointment <laughs> in what you've turned out to be. Well, uh, the year is ending, but before it goes uh, bye-bye, we, we should say who we are. I'm Betsy. I'm Kate. And this is Fuse and Kate. And on this here podcast, oh, why not? I'll just say it myself. Uh, we read picture books and determine if they should be classics or not. And we had a, we had a listener not that long ago who pointed out a wide, I keep using the term wide swath. Many of the books that we have been reading have male illustrators. And it's not untrue. And then uh, the suggestion came up, perhaps I, being the one who does the choosing, should make a conscious effort to try to even that out a little bit. Um, To which I responded by immediately doing a Dr. Seuss. So, you know, there's that. But I'm going to point out, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, illustrated by Lillian Hoban. So that's a little better. And today's book, beloved book. Definitely written and illustrated by a lady type person. So I'm gonna a lady type person. Sure. Why not? Okay. A woman. Right. Okay, I could say it that way too. Whoa. Man. (laughs) Exactly. So trust Ed. (laughs) Man, so much of your personality came from So I Married an Axe Murderer that it's scary. It's such a great movie. It's such a great movie. I haven't seen it since I was nine. So Um, perhaps it deserves a rewatch. We should consider that someday. But until we do, I'm going to pull the book right out of my bag here. Miss Rumpheus. Sure. Bye. Barbara Cooney. That's a lady. Yep. Who made it in every lady by a lady 
for a lady? That sounds like a perfume commercial. <laughs> By a lady. And it for smells like a lady. It smells like lupins. It smells, it smells like yeah. plastic. But yeah, good, because it, if it smelled like lupins, I would worry Probably a lot shouldn't have put my nose book. on it after this whole uh, it, COVID talk. Uh, we, and... we actually, we quarantine all books for at least a week, usually more like two weeks. So, oh. at the library. So our library books, because uh, it can't live on a surface more than we found out three days most recently, but we do it a week anyway, just because we're that safe. Good. Yeah. Your library books are safe, people. Okay, be right back. Okay, bye. While Kate does her read, let's find out about the true story behind the story. So as it turns out, Miss Rumpheus is a real person, a real person by the name of Hilda Edwards, who lived in Maine and is pretty much single-handedly responsible for just planting lupins there, left, right, and center. Lupins are a, a beautiful flower. I'm very fond of them myself. I like to plant them in my own backyard. Well, as it turns out, uh... She did so many lupins. People called her Hilda Lupina, or the Lupin Lady. I would love to be called a Lupin Lady. Now, lupins are a kind of funny plant. Uh, turns out they, they come from Europe, where they stabilize soils uh, and feed animals. But in Lithuania, they crowd out forest herbs. Bears, though, like to eat their roots. So, you know, that's a point in their favor. So Miss Hamlin, who was quite old, 60s and 70s by this point, was asked by uh, a random passerby at one point uh, where these lupins originated from, because they were all over Maine by this point. And Hamlin replied, well, quote, at the end of the road lives a queer old bird who has so many hundreds of lupins on her land that she has acquired the habit of cultivating the seed when it opens. And when, the old school marm said, she'd like to shake the hand of that woman, she stuck out her hand and said, shake, I am Hilda Lupina. And you're back. Yes. With a book. Yes. About a lady. Oh, it starts with Santa. What? It starts with St. Nicholas. What? In the beginning it says... I don't remember that at all. To St. Nicholas, patron saint of children, sailors, and maidens. And lupins. Did you know he's the patron saint of sailors and maidens? <laughs> I missed that part of the story. I guess. <laughs> sailors and maidens, eh? That's, uh, that doesn't really make it into Twas the Night Before very often. Uh, so yeah, we meet this, uh, this little girl mm. and her great-grandfather. No, just grandfather. Okay. And so that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to go too unrealistic like here because there's already a lot of really unrealistic things mm -hmm, in this book mm -hmm. um but her grandfather uh would he was an artist but he also made a lot of things out of wood like the the ladies that go on ships you know oh yeah figurehead yeah uh he also carved it says i'm reading from the text all right Carving Indians out of wood to put in front of cigar stores. See, here's the thing. I read a lot of texts and, and articles and things, people objecting and, and defending different things about this book. Nobody mentioned that. Well, there you go. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks, Kate. You're welcome. It's, no, it's good to know. Also, but side question, why are <laughs> there like... When you go buy a cigar shop, why is there a Native American? Like... I have literally no idea. But now, what was it? The Cleveland Indians just changed their name, right? Yeah. So maybe, well, I haven't seen that many cigar store Indians in a long time. So maybe, maybe they'll all go away. I don't know. Maybe nice. I don't know who started that. Who no. thought that was a good idea? Have... Yeah, seriously. <laughs> 
What's the logic there? So she lives with her grandfather and her grandmother, who's like in the illustrations, and there's no mention of her parents. In well, hmm. Okay. Which, which you know, it says you know she she goes to bed, she gets up, washes her face, eats her porridge for breakfast, goes to school, comes home, does her homework. No mention of the parents. You never see the parents. And then she's referred to as the great aunt. So it's not, maybe she didn't have kids either. Did she not want to have kids because she didn't want to have her kids go through what she went through? Maybe. Maybe her parents were crap parents and they're off lollygagging about and niece and her grandparents take care of her and say, we've cut them out of the will. So never speak of them. I love that you use the word lollygagging. Thank you. (laughs) So she grows up um, after learning this lesson from her grandfather, which was uh, you should travel the world, live by the sea, and do something to make the world more beautiful. She's like, cool, I'll do that. Easy, done. So she grows up to become a librarian. As one would. Which, okay. That really doesn't accomplish any of those three things, but you know, good on you, lady. (laughs) Well, okay, so this page of her in the library, I have so many questions. <laughs> okay. Question number one, is this a doll or a very scary little girl? Ooh, let me see, let me see, let me see. That is, like, hiding out on the side of the library. That, my friend, is a very scary little girl. Okay, because yeah. I wasn't sure. So yeah. then mm-hmm. you, got, you got that. Then you have this map of the world, which has Australia touching, like, Antarctica. You have a chunk <laughs> taken out of Russia. I mean, I get that this is the early 1900s, And but... they weren't great at maps. <laughs> To be fair. Really? But that is a bit much. Yeah. It just seems a little odd. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure who benefits from that rendition of the world. Somebody must. So she uh, helps people by, you know, helping them check out books and and dust the books like you do. Yeah. Can I tell you, I've been a librarian for a long portion of my life. I have never dusted a book in my library. If it's dusty, it's been there too long and you check it out, baby. That's how how we call weeding. What she does is she escapes to, like, the local conservatory. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's nice and warm in there. And I've decided this is how we're going to celebrate our honeymoon. We're going to go, because we can't travel. No, you can't. So we're going to just go into, like, a greenhouse and say what she says, which is, this is almost like a tropical aisle, (laughs) but not quite. (laughs) We're sadder (laughs) words ever said. No. No. But she decides to, with her librarian money. Because uh, that is mad bank, as right? any librarian will tell you. She travels to some remote island and meets Bapa Raja, king of a fishing village, yeah. who apparently is in love with her. Uh, he's married, mind you, sure. uh, but he invites her in. He gives her a shell that he painted that says... You will always remain in my heart. Can you imagine being wow. the wife who was like, Yeah, seriously. Um, hello? Wasn't that supposed to be for me? Then again, maybe like he gives her one every year and that one was like, No, no, really, no. Like, I want to give it to this white woman one. who just came here. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's like, like hey, hey, shell me. But again, where is she getting? So she like, she goes to an island. She climbs mountains. She visits jungles and deserts. And after all of that, she somehow manages to buy a house on the water yeah. in Maine on a librarian's salary. Yeah. Nope. No. Nope. No. I mean, I could maybe believe if you're saved, if you're a single person who lives very frugally and you take a trip once every let's again, say this five, is like, four years. This is like the early 1900s. Yeah. Judging by her attire. There you go. There you go. I mean, you know, you 
can make some money, but um, yeah. I mean, it really has your your entire life has to be dedicated to this. You have to like put all your money towards it. Right. I don't know. It I seems know, maybe it's a it really good odd. paying job. Who knows? But when she was in the desert, she was climbing. She was on a camel, and as she was getting off, she hurt her back. Speaking of someone who's been on a camel, that's the most realistic thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah, does that does that story check out? Well, on camels, usually they have like a back support. They do now. Did they then? Well, not according to this illustration. Yeah, or if they do, it's being hidden, and she's yeah. and that's what she's holding on to. Oh, yeah. I don't know because I don't usually, know. it sounds like a like that makes sense to well, me. Well, camels get onto their like elbows mm-hmm. and then get all the way down to the ground. Right. So I don't I don't understand. And she's supposed to be like what 20, 30 years old. I mean, if well, I don't know. We don't even know. I bet she's in her forties by this point. If if you got bucked off a camel by accident, like if you just for whatever reason something happened and then you fell off a camel, you could. You could seriously tear up that back of yours. Oh, this is the part where there's death. Okay. Oh, goody. So, Tell me more. <laughs> so she buys this house on the sea mm. with her. I think it's the money from her grandfather. I think when he died, he gave her a bunch of money. She got to travel the world, buy a oh, house. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Because yeah. you see the grandparents' house. That right. A nice little house. And, and it, like I say, cut parents out of will. So there you go. Exactly. Um, but she said, there's still one more thing I have to do. Um, I have to do something that will make the world more beautiful. And this is what makes me giggle. It says, but what? The world is already, the world already is pretty nice, she thought. And then you just, all you have to do is look over <laughs> and you see this cat one second away from eating this mouse. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yep. The world's already pretty nice. Pretty nice. With the death. Got it. Got a, got cool. a cat killing stuff over here. So check. Yeah. Fantastic. So she hurt her hurt back, holds her back from doing pretty much anything. She just lays in bed all day. Backs suck. I mean, there must weren't people doing cocaine at this time. Like what? What? Maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) Maine. I'm sure there could have been something she could have taken. Where's your opium? Opium. There you go. Where's some good old laudanum? Yeah. She sees. She wouldn't be much use if she she, was. She planted some flowers that are growing up outside of her bedroom window, and they're these. What do you call them? Lupines. Lupins. 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 Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she planted a bunch, but apparently most of them um, were taken away by the wind. What is this a thing? Can that happen? I so I actually one of the objections I heard to the book was that she thinks the seeds are spread by the wind, but okay. lupin seeds are not spread by wind. And no, well, I don't know. I guess maybe if you just blew them. But here's off the thing: the, like, but they get she. Root. You'd have know. to take a seed. The wind would have to blow it up, up and over a hill. Yeah, no. Then plant into the ground and then bloom. I'm pretty sure that's not how. Don't you have to travel. dig a hole to plant? I mean, yeah, I'm not a gardener, but I'm like you pretty sure you gotta dig a hole. <laughs> I have planted lupins. A hole is required. Right. So then, <laughs> so she's like, okay, I'm just gonna plant flowers everywhere. No, no, no. She doesn't plant flowers. She just throws them all over town. You know what they call that? They call that seed bombing. Seed bombing. That's the thing that people do now in urban spaces. They'll make like these little mud balls full of seeds and then they'll throw them into empty lots and stuff and, yeah. uh, and well have, they just call yeah. her the crazy old lady for just throwing seeds and not planting them yeah so, she's uh, mud ball girl mm-hmm. but <laughs> what if everyone in town has allergies and she just made it so much worse it would it would be i mean basically what we're talking here is this is an invasive species lupins are an invasive species right yeah so i think she just made it worse not only for the people but then probably for the native plants in the area that are getting taken over oh yes uh 
See, lupins establish near monocultures. Uh, they disrupt local communities. They alter rates of succession. Uh, they displace native species, and they spread uncontrollably. So, all true. Right, and also isn't and variety the spice of life? Well, they're very. They're a lot of different colors. Betsy, come on. <laughs> let's let's see some daffodils. Look, uh, let's see some roses. Let's see some violets. I'll see anything. Come on. Some Queen Anne's lace. What and cornflowers? I'm talking about wildflowers here. Nothing. Oh, so, yeah. I'm uh, all right. So she writes. She goes around. She plants all of these plants, and then the next spring, they pop up everywhere behind a church, behind the schoolyard, in the next to a highway. Um, and this this whole story is told by her great niece. Right, because she has no kids. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the, the great niece and all of her friends will go and visit her great aunt. Um, you know, and they'll, you know, they call her the Lupin Lady, right? Lupin? Yeah, Lupin Lady. Yeah, Which they call is, her the Lupin Lady because she planted all these flowers and they hear all of her stories and, and, you know, about the guy that gave her the shell and was in love with her and wanted to leave his wife. And she said, no, don't leave your wife. And he said, but I'll do anything for you. And she said, no, I got to climb a mountain and hurt my back on a camel. So, so she's telling all, these, telling all these stories to these like five-year-olds who could care less. And then uh, she says, well, you got to, you know, make sure you do one thing, which is make the world more beautiful. And the great niece says, but I don't know yet what that can be while she's off carrying flowers. And uh, and that's it. The end. Yeah. So let's let's do a little background information. First of all, this takes place in Maine. And Maine is very interesting when it comes to kids books uh, of all the states that appreciate their children's book creators. Maine appreciates theirs the most. And I'm not sure why that is, but uh, whether it's like Robert McCloskey, who did a book called One Morning in Maine, uh, Barbara Cooney here, Ashley Bryan, uh, it makes a big show whenever there's a Maine creator or a Maine book. So they actually have, uh, the Maine Library Association has its Lupin Award, which it gives, which is named after Miss Rumpheus. Huh. So right there. So they love this book so if any of you main type people are listening um apologies for what we may say the question comes up why is she named miss rumpheus i was reading a theory by a botanist who said perhaps the character was inspired by the 17th century naturalist george rumpf who preferred the latinized version of his name rumpheus I think that's not a bad theory. It's a kind of a weird name, and I don't run into a lot of rumpiuses in my day-to-day walking. It Let's see, what did it win? It shared the 1983 National Book Award for Children's Books. I, yay. Uh, the National Education Association named it the book of one of its teacher's top 100 books for children in 2007, which is not much. Um, and, of course, the Lupin Award is named after it. Interestingly, interest in this book has sort of gone up thanks to COVID. Um, the wiki page for Miss Rumpheus, there are numerous new and recent articles with titles like The Children's Book That Made Me Realize It's Okay to Be Alone and things like that. Yeah. And it is. I mean, that's one of the things that really people like about it is that this is a book about a woman where it never, except for the guy who's like given her a shell, doesn't really talk about, like, it never calls her a spinster. Nope. Um, it doesn't care boo diddly about whether or not she got married and had kids or any of that. She doesn't seem to care boo diddly about getting married and having kids or any of that. 
Um, yeah. Though I must say the botanists have definitely have a love-hate sort of relationship with it to a certain extent because of the whole invasive species aspect to it to a certain extent. If you go to Maine, you will see many, many lupins, and I'm, I'm, people will dig them out of ditches and things like that. You know, they're 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 kind of invasive. They um, they originally I think came from Norway, and have you ever seen the Monty Python sketch about Dennis Moore? No. The highwayman who only steals lupins from people? Nope. That's, that's all he steals. And then he gives them away, and the poor are like, we want money and medicine. You keep giving us lupins. <laughs> it's very funny. I'll put it in the show notes. Ratings time. You go first. Yeah, okay. So I do believe I am 90% sure that I read this book years and years and years ago when I was trying to make my way through all the picture books that I had heard were classics one way or another. Now I say I think because I have no clear memories of having read this book. I have the clear memory of the name and the author, and that's about it. Barbara Cooney was not someone I read as a child. I encountered her entirely in adulthood. Are her images beautiful? Yes, she is a very talented artist. Do I personally connect to her books, particularly this book, I do not. Um, I understand that people feel very close kinship to this book. It is a kinship I do not share, um, but I appreciate the art and I appreciate, you know, the feminist message, though it is very much like, it is very much a book that's kind of saying like, if you've got the money, you can follow your dreams. <laughs> it's like, great. Thanks guys. Um, I'll give it a four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is that high or low to you? That's low. Well, you were, you're higher than that? I, yeah. This is fascinating. Continue. So I think the illustrations are beautiful. Mm. Not my style, but they're, sure. they're, they're, they're fine. They're very pretty, yeah. Um, but I think it is an important message. Am I going to remember the title? No. Am I going to remember the flower? No. <laughs> but I so will remember the message of making the world a better place and traveling because mm -hmm. i think those are two things that every person should do mm -hmm. make the world a better place and try and see as much as you can even if you don't have money you can still make the world a better place give someone a compliment mm -hmm. um you know help someone cross the street you know uh do you know, pick up the trash do something to make the world a better place and in turn you'll actually make yourself feel better um so I gave it a, and I do like the, the message of, yeah, you can be a woman and travel the world and you don't need to have a man by your side 24 mm -hmm. seven, um, in order to be successful, in order to live your life, in order to, you know, reach your dreams, you can do it by yourself if that's what you choose. Um, I originally gave it a seven, mm -hmm. but then thinking about, yeah, it is an invasive species and she did kind of ruin a lot of people's lives if they have really bad allergies. So then I brought it down to a six. So, I don't think lupins have much in the way of pollen. I'm pretty sure allergies is not an issue with them as much. Well. Does that change your answer? No. So your four and my six makes it a toe over the toe line. Toe over the line. We have said classic. in the past that fives on the nosy are in the classic territory. Yes. So yes. There you go, main people. It became a <laughs> classic, but twist as to who would like what. I'm, I'm, I kind of like that. That was sort of a third act uh, switcheroo that I didn't see coming. Letters time! Ooh. We didn't have much, but we did have Rockin' Librarian. And Rockin' Librarian woke, wrote in about Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. 
and said, When the River Meets the Sea is one of my absolute favorite songs ever. This is referring, of course, to the Jim Henson adaptation of the book. As sung by Robin and John Denver on the Muppets' A Christmas Together album. I must say the Emmett Otter version grates on my ears. Sorry, Ma Otter. You weren't Me too! Yeah. And she says, sorry, Ma Otter. You weren't winning that contest even without the Nightmare Plane. So I sympathize with Kate. Thank you. So I thought I thought you would appreciate that you were oh, not alone. I do. You are a rockin' librarian. There you go. Well, <laughs> as as she would tell you. So there you go. A grown-up things we like. You go first. Okay, mine's very simple. I've not really had a chance to see much or adult stuff recently um, because I was finishing The Mandalorian. Sort of binged the whole... Uh, any of it won't give anything away, but boy, howdy, does it end with a bang. And somehow I managed not to spoil it for myself, even though there was a big Whoa! moment in it. Um, so that was cool. And then my other grown-up thing I like is just the fact I'm actually spending the very first Christmas since I've had children uh, in my home. Typically, we tend to go to either my husband's parents or my parents, and we alternate years for Christmas. We're doing it home for the very first time, we're gonna we're gonna put the YouTube channel with the with the fireplace on the TV and and, and bring the anchor in from the other room and, and play some Christmas carols and do a, a present opening in in a house. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Good. Yes. Yes. So thank you, COVID. I'm not sure if I should be saying that, but you know, it's a, this is a novel thing I haven't tried before. So good. Let's see how that goes. Okay. All right. I have um, two things. One I don't recommend and one I do recommend. Uh, one thing I don't recommend is the Kristen Stewart holiday movie called Happiest Season with Dan Levy and Aubrey, Aubrey oh, Plaza. Oh, no. Is it not good? Oh, it's horrible. Oh, wow. It made me, as someone in the LGBT community, it made me furious. Really? So angry. I couldn't stop yelling at the TV. Really? And for once in my entire life, so I was on Kristen Stewart's side. For a moment okay. until she ruined it. Aww. If someone, if you're in an abusive relationship yeah. or if you're in a relationship where someone wants you to stay in the closet, mm-hmm. get out. Yeah. Run. Run as oh, far as Oh, is that what's you... going on? Yeah. Uh, that's nasty. Yeah. It's, um. it's very, oh, man, Dan Levy did such a good job on, um, on his show Shit's Creek where he created oh, yeah. a gay couple that didn't have controversy around them they just you know th- it was just a loving couple without any drama mm-hmm. and this is just three steps back uh, it's frustrating but what i do recommend is a board game which you can also play on uh your tablet it's called tokaido mm-hmm. uh spelled t-o-k-a-i-d-o um, what it is, is you are traveling on the Tokaido Road, which is in Japan, and you, it's, it's a game where you, uh, you're on a vacation, essentially, and you wanted, on a vacation, you know, you want to do as much as you can, but you can't do everything you want to do. So, it's all about the, the journey rather than the destination. And what I like about the game is that, um, you know, you get to, you're trying new food, you're painting, you're visiting hot springs, you're shopping. Um, but at the end of the game, you really don't know who's going to win until the game is over, which I think is fun. Uh, it's about 45 minutes. Uh, it's for ages eight and up, two to five players. 
Um, it's won awards. It's a great game. I've got our mom hooked on the uh, iPad version, which you can play, you know, with friends o- online, which is great. And uh, the illustrations are gorgeous. It's a very beautiful game. Yeah. 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 Um, I had actually heard it recommended by, I think it was Pop Culture Happy Hour. Someone That's how I would first heard of it. My niece um, is completely hooked on it. Uh, my niece, who as I guess, she's 13 now, um, plays it constantly. Yeah, so, so it's it's wide range of it's people. It's easy enjoy it. to learn. And Will Wheaton used to have a show on YouTube called Tabletop, where he would bring a bunch of celebrities to play different board games. And he has one uh, for this game where he brings in the punter for the uh, for Minneapolis or for the Minnesota Vikings. He's got an actor. He's got a producer. So they're all playing this game. And then at the end, they all gang up on Will Wheaton, which is great. So no, that's, 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 good. that's good. It's good to have a hobby. <laughs> so I, yeah, I definitely recommend playing that game or put it on your Christmas list. Or I guess this is coming out after Christmas. So put it on your yeah. New Year's list. Um, is that a thing? thing? But sure. I mean, if your packages are going to be delayed because of, you know, the holiday season, why not? Just, yeah. You know. It's a great way to bring in the new year. It it is. It's a very calming way to bring in the new year. Yeah. It, it does not feel like uh, it's not it's, it's not half fast paced. Yeah, it's not stressful, not chaotic, and uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, very cool. Ah, that's nice. That's a nice. That's a nice note to end twenty twenty on. Calm and the promise of someday taking a vacation somewhere. Oh yeah. Right. Maybe maybe we'll go to Japan. Uh, Japan is awesome. I wouldn't mind going to Japan. There you go. You should do the Tokyo Road. Okay, <laughs> I, I will. suspect its tourism industry is going through the roof right now. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And uh, we don't know what will happen in the new year, but we will welcome you guys there. So until then, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Spotify or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our Lupin Highwayman is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.